1: Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Shred Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.
0: Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater.
2: And welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. How is everybody in MD Nation doing? This is your host, Dan Mater, as always, and we're back with another episode for you guys today. We got the Friday episode preview edition for the Late Sunday afternoon games, and the Sunday night and Monday night football games, of course. And we at the end of this episode, we have a mailbag segment from you, the fans, with injury updates all throughout, so you're not going to miss a single thing in today's show to make sure you are fully prepared for your matchups this upcoming Sunday. and Of course, we're going to kick off the show by recapping the game from last night, too. And because we don't have any real latest news to go over, which is usually typically a good thing Although, like I said, yesterday's episode, if you didn't, if you didn't, uh, hear that one, make sure you go back and listen to it on your favorite podcast app, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you want to go. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. But if you did not hear yesterday's episode, the big news for this show is that I have been appointed the fantasy department head for Belly Up Sports. So I plan on doing great things there and it is a great organization with great content for you guys to listen to for all sports, not just for fantasy football football or fantasy sports in general but for anything that your little heart desires to get more information entertainment on like as far as the, from ranging from the WNBA to golf to NASCAR to your more popular sports in the NBA, NHL, NFL and of course uh and MLB. Thank you I was forgetting baseball in its middle of playoff season what do you know? But all of that is available to you. We have great writers, great content all throughout. So that way you can go ahead, sign up with the Belly Up Sports uh, website, join the newsletter, join the site join the forums join everything it's really a great place to be able to go to and of course I'm still affiliated with overtime heroics and unwrapped sports who I do do the sports caster videos with and I plan on having one coming out later tonight where I'll be going over my updated week six rankings heading into this Sunday with you know the Patriots and the Giants taken out of the rankings there so that's why they'll be updated for you to be able to utilize and of course you always can go to my website www mdfshow.com to be able to see those rankings and any other pieces of information that I have or even the episodes list that is also currently available there too. Now we got to dive right into this, but we have a ton of injury news going to be coming out, and we may even break some during the show. I am recording this early Friday morning, so there's some stuff that by the time you listen to this show uh, is probably going to be out by now. We'll have more information on, but always make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for all of those player news, update, notifications, and of course, to ask any questions that you possibly have for me. I will always be there to be a tool for you guys to help you Put yourselves in the best possible situations for your W's, man. All right, let's go ahead and hit that break and get started with today's show. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So, going into this episode, the first thing we always have to do is recap the Thursday night game. We knew this wasn't going to be a very close game, it wasn't going to be a very exciting game. I will say this, it was closer than I thought it was going to be for at least one half of football. A couple of... Defensive and special teams touchdowns gave the first half kind of a weird flow, but then reality set in the second half, and the Patriots simply just out and dominated the Giants in the second half of this game. When we talk about fantasy purposes on the Giants side of the ball, there's not a lot to go over in this matchup. Hillman, Elijah Penny were the running backs there. Hillman only had 11 carries or 38 yards. I told you guys, even though they're expected to get the volume to not bother starting them because they just didn't have much of an opportunity here to actually be able to put up productive numbers against the number. 1 defense in the NFL. And they didn't. But the one guy I did tell you guys that I would only play if I was truly just desperate for a play this week because of bye weeks or injuries or whatever the case may have you. I told you I would only play Golden Tate in a desperate situation. And he wound up coming through. Six catches, 102 yards, a touchdown. Most of it, of course, coming off of that 64-yard bomb. But more what we can take out of this game moving forward is that Golden Tate is ready to go. He looked fresh. He looked spry. And it does look like when Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram come back, which is no guarantee is going to be next week, by the way, for either one of those players. So there could be another week next week where we see Golden Tate getting pretty much all the volume to himself in the passing game. He could be fantasy, fantasy utilized and be be able to start in, in flex situations more confidently moving forward. If you're able to put up a good performance against New England Patriots, if you're still going to have that kind of volume, which he very well may have going into next week, because like I said, Shepard and Ingram, their positions, their injuries may well be multiple weeks here. So it may be all Golden Tate. So he might be somebody who just put himself in a situation that you can go ahead and play him in the flex with confidence knowing that you have a high floor because of the expected volume that you can get. Darius Slayton was targeted eight times in this game, which is a good, nice little sign there, but Darius Slayton is going to be a guy that you have to play him, one, in plus matchups, but two, you're playing him as a home run threat. You're not playing him as anything more than that right now. I like his talent. I like what I think he could maybe possibly develop into at some point in his career, but for right now, he's nothing more than a deep flyer threat at this point. So while the Shepard and Evan Ingram are out, while Golden Tate is there to get most of the volume. Darius Slayton will be the second most targeted pass catcher in this team but like I said unless it's a plus matchup going up against a secondary that's known for getting be deep I don't know how much I would take a chance on Darius Slayton that's really all to go over for the Giants because most of their fantasy purposes are guys who didn't play in this game Saquon Barkley might be back next week we don't know exactly when Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard are going to be back right now at this point. So there's not much else to talk about for them for fantasy purposes. But on the Patriots' side of the ball, if you're a Sony Michelle owner, you probably are working up with with bittersweet feelings this morning. On one hand, he got 22 carries. So on one hand, he continues to get the volume, and he was able to tack on two catches in this game. So he had 24 touches in all, and he's had plus 20 touches for the past few weeks now. Playing against the Jets next week, it should be another Sonny Michelle game script. It's another game where the Patriots should be able to dominate. So all those things bode well for Sonny Michelle, but the efficiency still isn't there. Only 3.9 yards to carry in this one, 86 yards total. Did have 27 yards catching the football, and I would like to see him get more involved, but he's only ever going to be involved at all in the passing game when Rex Berkman isn't active like he was again this week. We'll see if that continues to be the case, but for right now, James White just dominates too much in the passing down work. He had nine targets in this one, nine catches, 46 yards. As long as that keeps happening, Sonny Michelle is going to have to be game script dependent. And I don't know what the Patriots are going to do to get better offensively for run blocking. I thought Benjamin Watson coming back would offer them some help. Uh, He's been a pretty good blocker in the past, so I thought they would bring him back for that, and then they wound up letting him go and cutting him. They never activated him. So I don't know what their plan is moving forward. While they may get a little bit healthier as we get here, right now they just simply do not have enough talent to help them out in the run blocking situation. So unless the GMs have something, best Bill Belichick has something up his sleeve to get some addition additional help in there before the trade deadline, I don't know how the Patriots necessarily get too much better than what we have seen. Now, Sony Michelle has a nice little playoff schedule. Uh, coming up he's going to have a couple of weeks there I think believe week 9 10 and 11 you're not going to really want to play him once against Baltimore one the bye, and once against the Eagles outside of that it's mostly games that Sony Michel should get this type of volume 20 plus touches so I do think he's in a situation where you can continue to play him as a flex as an RB3 and know that in this game Tom Brady wound up sneaking the ball for two touchdowns while, yes, Tom Brady is known for getting a quarterback sneak here and there and getting touchdowns off of that, getting two in a game almost never happens and probably won't happen again at any time this season. So you got to figure at least one of those should be going to Sony Michelle. The other annoying factor here is that this is the third week in a row that Brandon Bolton has scored in the red zone. Uh, incredibly, incredibly pestering if you're a Sony Michelle owner, which I am in one of my leagues in case you couldn't tell. But. I'm still not going to worry about Brandon Bolden at the end of the day. In this game, it was more about Tom Brady sneaking the ball in for two touchdowns to take away the touchdown possibilities for Sonny Michelle that he should have had in this game, should have had at least one, than it was about Brandon Bolden. So that's not always going to be the case. I do think Sony Michelle is still the guy who should be getting touchdown looks as we move forward. But not panicking on it. As far as Tom Brady goes, 334 yards, didn't throw for any touchdowns, but like I said, he gets the two rushing touchdowns here, so he continues his top five quarterback dominance in fantasy football one way or another. It's not always, It hasn't always been pretty this season, but he's gotten the job done with the production that you needed at the end of the day. And then in this one, the one injury we do have to talk about, Josh Gordon here, uh, wound up getting hurt early on in the game did try to come back into the game, uh, was, uh, after the halftime, was on the sideline with his teammates, was, was riding the bicycle, wasn't ever really able to quite do it, but reports coming out today suggest that his knee injury is not going to be anything serious, and he's really lucky because it was a really nasty hit that he took, it looked like, it was going to be something that might keep him out for a few weeks, and it looks like he could be back as soon as next week. Of course, stick with me on Twitter at MDSFFshow to get those player news update notifications because we'll keep you updated on that as we head into week seven. The One good thing for him is that he does have an extra long layoff time having a Thursday game, so that may give him the time that he needs to make this just a one-week uh, mishap. So, that's what you're looking at here for now. And then we'll come back. Uh, well, so Julian Edelman, nine catches, 113 yards on 15 targets. We do know that if Josh Gordon was to miss any time, uh, Julian Edelman has a cr- crazy high floor based off of volume that he's going to get. Even when Gordon's been there, his volume has been incredibly healthy because Gordon and Edelman are the two receivers that you can lean on. Yes, Philip Dorsett didn't play in this game because of a hamstring issue. Yes, he's expected to come back next week in Week 7, but Philip Dorsett is kind of a hit or miss if he decides to be a part of the game plan type of guy. He's not somebody who's going to threaten Julian Edelman or Josh Gordon in being the two top volume targeted pass catchers on this team. With James White frankly being the third guy. So that's not really going to change regardless of when Philip Dorsett comes back which is expected at this point to be next week. Uh, it was more just because this game was a Thursday game that they held him out this was on Sunday there's a decent chance that he would have actually played in this one. But that takes care of our recap in this one. So we move on to our Sunday four o'clock late afternoon games before we get into the rest of them here and we're kicking that off starting with The San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams, the game that probably should wind up being the game of the week. I'm actually not 100% sure whether it is or not. I have to imagine that it is uh, a big-time divisional rivalry. Two very good teams at the moment. 49ers still undefeated. The only other undefeated team besides the New England Patriots right now. And then you have the Rams, who have a very good team, but right now have been struggling a little bit as of late. Had two tough losses in a row. So we're going to get to see what they are able to do But, look, when it comes to fantasy purposes for the 49ers, we know they're going to run the football. Tevin Coleman looked great his first week back against the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns have been a plus matchup, but the Rams are not a team that you're worried about having to run the football at either. That's what the 49ers are going to want to do. He is going to get the most of the carries. The one thing that I saw coming out of that Monday night game, we didn't get to recap that game because I was, I did one recap episode this week and I was recording while that game was going on. But the one that we got to saw out of Tevin Coleman in that game was that he was in there almost every single snap when it came time to close the game out. Now, I'm not saying that the 49ers are going to be in position to close the game out against the Rams. I do think this is going to go down to the wire. I think it's going to be close. And... being that it's in los angeles i do think the rams are going to have something they need to prove in this game so that's what we're going to have to check out here but what we do know is that tevin coleman is the one running back you can trust to get a certain level of volume out so he has the highest floor matt Breida, we know he, he's fast he can break a big one but it's going to take, and he had two touchdowns last week, but it's going to take him breaking big plays in order for it to get him in the end zone. When they get in close, it's going to be Tevin Coleman. They even worked in a little bit of Raheem Mostert, but Matt Breida is not going to be the guy once they get inside the 10-yard line. That's probably going to go to Tevin Coleman, and if that's going to be the case, you can't really trust Matt Breida right now. Now, he could be a flex play because of the significant role that he has, and I would consider this to be a plus matchup for the uh, for the 49ers rush game. So you can still play him as a flex, but don't expect him to get into the end zone like he did a week ago. If you're expecting that, then you may want to look in another direction. As far as the wide receivers go, look, Dante Pettis is starting to play a little bit more and more, but he had a bad drop last week. Debo Samuel still offers you some wide receiver for flex appeal in PPR leagues only because he is out in the field almost every single play. He's getting enough targets to kind of keep himself a little bit relevant there, but really, I would not want to try to have to play any 49ers wide receivers if I can help it. If I can help it. George Kittle is the only pass catcher I want to play. It was nice to finally see him get going last week. It was nice to finally get him in the end zone. More of that is to come because leading up into that game, he had multiple games where he should have had multiple touchdowns or called back due to penalty or what have you. George Kittle is, you know, he's a tight end one. And I do think he actually is one of the few guys that is looking for a much brighter second half of the season after a disappointing start from a fantasy production standpoint. And I do think this is another good game against the Rams where tight ends are usually one of their Achilles heels. I do think George Kittle is going to have a good matchup and be heavily utilized in this one. I don't think the wide receivers are going to get that much room working against Marcus Peters and a keep to leap. So I do think it's going to be George Kittle is going to be the main pastor that they are going to have to lean on. It's also going to be a little curious to see without Kyle Juszczyk for the next four to six weeks how exactly the 4 yards are going to go back to doing their business because he's really what helps open up that running game. So do they go to a more pass-heavy approach that could also bode well for George Kittle too? Jimmy Garoppolo is still not a guy that you can trust to be a quarterback streaming option yet at this point. Uh, They're just... Maybe, to my earlier point of them not having Kyle Juszczyk, maybe they will go more pass-heavy. But right now, the volume has not been there enough. He hasn't had to be aggressive enough throughout their games that they've been able to win so far to put himself in a position where he can be fantasy-relevant and be able to trust to stream him right now. I think he has that capability. I think he has a good enough offense to do that in certain matchups. But right now, it's kind of the thing where Kirk Cousins was going through. He's been playing much better than Kirk Cousins. But in the sense of the volume just... Is isn't there enough for him to be able to have the opportunity to put up the fantasy points that you want him to put up to be a streaming option. So there's something to keep in mind there too. On the Ram side of the ball, we're all holding our breath right now for Todd Gurley. Like I said, I'm recording this Friday morning. By the time this podcast comes out or by the time that you are listening to this podcast, there may be information out from my Twitter feed at MDSFF show with an update exactly to what is expected to be out of Todd Gurley right now. Now, he hasn't practiced yet this week, but the Rams haven't had a heavy practice schedule this week. Wednesday, they said it was a light practice, and they kept him out of it. And he's been dealing with a thigh contusion, in case you weren't aware. And then yesterday, they actually had they actually had a walkthrough practice yesterday. So he didn't participate in the walkthrough practice, which you could think, well, if it's only walkthrough and he couldn't go in that one, you know, maybe he can't go. Or also maybe they're just like it's a walkthrough, we don't need you to do anything. Today is going to be key. If he does not practice today then he's going to probably be at least be questionable in a game-time decision on Sunday. And it's a 4 o'clock game that we're talking about here. So hopefully, if you're a Todd Gurley owner, you also have Malcolm Brown, who I do think would be a very solid RB2 against the San Francisco 49ers if Malcolm Brown came in and be the starter. Yes, I do think Daryl Henderson would get worked in, but because we haven't seen Daryl Henderson at all, I only take the comments from Sean McVay this week about Henderson with a grain of salt. Sure, you want to get him more involved, but getting him more involved than what he had been previously is just saying he can get a couple of snaps and be more involved because he's done absolutely zero leading up into this point. So getting Daryl Henderson more involved... Doesn't necessarily mean anything when you're trying to apply a fantasy value to it or what those touches may mean for him and Malcolm Brown. Now, look, we know the entire time that Henderson's looked to be more of the pass catching down guy. If something was to happen to Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown took over, but in this week where Todd Gurley's, his, his, his situation is still very much up in the air. If he were to not play, I do think Malcolm Brown would get a significant amount of touches. And I don't think Daryl Henderson would come in for every passing down. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe he would, but I don't get that vibe. He can't. I don't see him going from not being involved in the offense to suddenly having all the passing down work to himself if Todd Gurley doesn't go. And that's what we're talking about, because Malcolm Brown's been pretty effective when he's been able to get his opportunities to run the football. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split as far as rotating series or anything to be the rusher. So that I would stick with Malcolm Brown, I would have to. I would leave Daryl Henderson on the waiver wire in this game because I'm going to really have to see what their plan is, how they want to utilize him when Todd Gurley not in the lineup. So I'm not going to waste necessarily a roster spot on a guy like that. But just if you have Todd Gurley, well, could be an RB two for you this week that you can go ahead and play, and maybe he just gives you an added top end ends up being the case. We're not going to know until after this practice. If he doesn't practice but still plays on Sunday, I'm not... Todd Gurley plays. You have to play Todd Gurley. Plain and simple. Hopefully... He would be able to get some kind of practice in today. Cooks Coming back from the concussion is expected to go this week. He's expected to clear. So that's the good news there. They should have Cooks. They should have Woods. They should have Cooper Cup. I think you can play all of them. Yes, the San Francisco defense has been a lot of dominating them. I don't think the 49ers corners have the speed to keep up with guys, especially like Cup and Brandon Cooks, especially since they don't really have a slot corner. They play a lot of cover three zone as a result to that but I do think this is going to be a competitive game all the way through, and we might see the ring be a high-end QB two in this game. I do think they're going to have to lean on him. It is at home. Uh, I I do think he's going to have the volume, kind of like he's had the last couple of weeks. of it. Yes, he has been more involved in the offense this season. But right now with the Rams, it's a total crapshoot exactly who's going to be involved. They haven't looked quite in sync even as of yet. So we'll see if that continues or not. But I don't think Gerald Everett is somebody I can trust right now. Is he a high-end tight end too? Yes, he's a high-end tight end too. Can you stream him? Yes, you can stream him. But this notion that he's cracking himself way into the tight end one position, I'm not quite ready to go there yet because he's not somebody who I'm looking to play on a week to week basis yet. If we see some more consistency out of him, it looks like he's just going to be a a cog of this offense that I will change my tune, of course, because you have to be adaptable as you get more data as the fantasy season goes. But as of right now, I'm not at that point yet. Our next game up to talk about is the Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals. This is a great opportunity for the Atlanta Falcons to have a get-right moment, especially with all of their guys. Now, Julio Jones was a little bit concerned with him this week. He only missed Wednesday's practice. He came back practicing limited on Thursday. But from all reports, looked good in his breaks. Julio Jones is the type of guy where they don't always practice him a lot, especially in the second half of the season. He's going to be good to go and just fine for Sunday. And you want him in this matchup. Look, Patrick Peterson is still going to be one more week until Patrick Peterson comes back. He's still suspended. This is his last game that he's suspended for. This is a great opportunity for the Falcons to get right. Now, while they've been able to put up points offensively, it's always been because they've been coming from multiple scores from behind. This is a chance for this team to come out and actually dominate in a game, do what they want to do, and actually get some momentum moving forward. It's a get-right game for them, and I think they're going to take advantage of that. Look, Matt Ryan, he's been as consistent as they come even when they don't play well. I expect him to go over 300 yards and have a couple touchdowns in this one. So that'll make him a top five quarterback. Devontae Freeman is going to have a great opportunity to get going in this one too. And because the Arizona Cardinals don't have the greatest run defense, we might see more efficiency out of him in the rushing game. But even if we don't, what we want to continue to see what we've seen for the past couple of weeks is him to be involved in the passing game. I haven't liked what I've seen out of Ido Smith as far as him coming in when they get inside the 10-yard line a little too often for my taste, taking away some of those goal-line touchdowns that Devontae Freeman should be getting, but as long as Freeman's involved in the passing game, especially in this matchup, I do think he's a guy who could be a low-end RB2 high-end flex play for you this week, and also a chance for him to see some success that he hadn't quite been seeing so far this season. Julio's Julio enough said. Calvin Ridley's definitely somebody who I'm playing in this game. You can always abuse the backside corner of the Arizona defense. He should be able to get have an opportunity in this one. Mohamed Sanu in PPR leagues only. I wouldn't play him in half point. I wouldn't play him in standard. But in PPR leagues only, he actually has some low-end flex appeal for you where he could get you a decent floor if you're looking for a guy who should be serviceable. Uh, this is against the Arizona Cardinals. Everything is open. All the possibilities are there. And even if they get blown out because of the nature of their offense, it'll give Extra possessions to Atlanta anyway. So everyone's a factor. Austin Hooper, I mean, no matchup this season is going to be better than playing against the Arizona Cardinals for a tight end. And Austin Hooper has been heavily involved in the offense every single week so far for the Atlanta Falcons. I don't see why he wouldn't be involved in this one. I think he has probably one of the highest floors as any tight end and has just as high of a ceiling as anybody else in this matchup against the Cardinals. So yeah, you you have you're looking your chops if you have Austin Hooper too. This is a game where everybody who's fantasy purposes can can eat for Atlanta. I would play all of my Falcons if I possibly can. For the Cardinals here in this one we're waiting to see what happens with David Johnson. The team came out earlier this morning and said that they think he has a good chance to play, but that's a little less optimistic than what we have been led to believe up until this point this week. So again, kind of similar to Todd Gurley. If you have David Johnson, hopefully you have Chase Edmonds. If you have Chase Edmonds and you don't have David Johnson, you're just waiting to see if he's going to be out. Chase Edmonds should be an RB2. It's a good matchup against Atlanta. We've seen the kind of volume David Johnson has gotten. I expect Chase Edmonds to get that same volume if Johnson Johnson cannot go in this matchup. So he becomes automatically a very solid RB2 with some upside. So Chase Evans is going to be the guy you're going to want to play this week if David Johnson cannot go. Again, we'll get you updated information from my social media accounts as we move forward through the day here. Uh, just make sure you're following me along and you're not going to want to miss any information on that one, especially in such a pivotal game. Kyler Murray continues to be a fantasy-relevant quarterback because he continues to use his legs as he has over the past few weeks. Now, in this game, the Falcons' defense has been absolutely terrible, so it's still a plus matchup. Don't get it twisted, but they do have guys like Deion Jones. They do have more speed on their defense, so they do decide to spy the quarterback. I don't know how much success Kyler Murray will definitely be able to have this week, especially using his legs on the ground but I do think he's going to have to be an opportunity because of the up-tempo offense, because Atlanta definitely going to score that he's just going to have pure volume for you to give you a high floor with a decent ceiling, given the amount of, uh, work that he can do with his legs moving and forward in this game. We're still waiting to see if Christian Kirk's going to be able to come back. We do believe it's going to probably be one more week before he's able to do so. So that already amplifies what has been a very strong season for Larry Fitzgerald. He frankly is a low-end wide receiver too, no matter what the scoring format is, and it's amplified a little bit if you're in PPR leagues. But with no Christian Kirk, volume for Larry Fitzgerald because right now there's no other wide receiver on the Arizona Cardinals that you could trust anytime touches from Fitzgerald while Christian Kirk is out so it just amplifies that and you're keeping Larry Fitzgerald in your starting lineups next up that we have to talk about is the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos look this is going to be probably another ugly defensive game, maybe not quite to the point that we saw with the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills last week, uh, just because the Broncos' offense is a little bit better. Defense isn't quite as good as Buffalo, but I do think we're going to see a similar type of game where it might be 17-14. to 14. It's going to be some field goals, low scoring, and if you're in Tennessee... You do like the matchup for Derrick Henry. You can run up the middle, especially against the Denver Broncos, so you do like the matchup for him here to be a high-end RB, two, like he has been. Outside of that, I don't know if you can trust anybody else. Delaney Walker hasn't been heavily utilized. He's been a little bit banged up, even though he's been playing. Maybe you don't have any other better options, but just given the, the way he has played as of late, given the production that has gone his way, I don't know how you trust Delaney Walker, and... I'm not going to play A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Now, Chris Harris has mostly shadowed throughout the season. I don't know in this matchup if they bother to shadow him because between Corey Davis and A.J. Brown right now, there's not really a clear-cut number one wide receiver. If he was to shadow anybody, I'd imagine it would probably be Corey Davis that he would shadow, but... Either way, I'm really not loving any, either of the wide receivers in this matchup what I expect to be another low-scoring affair. So Derrick Henry is the only Tennessee Titan that I am playing uh, with any confidence as far as fantasy football purposes are. On the Denver Broncos side of the ball, it is, it is, another, it is another tough matchup. It, it is. Look, it's hard to ignore what Cortland Sutton has been able to do over the past couple of weeks, but you're going up against a Tennessee defense who has been pretty much shut down for everybody involved. And... I do think Joe Flacco is going to have a hard time in this one. I think they're going to get to him. They're going to get pressure in his face. And I I just think he's going to have a hard hard time in this game against this particular defense, which really limits the opportunities that the wide receivers might be able to get. And I do think this is a game in which Emmanuel Sanders would probably be the more go-to guy. I do think Flacco is going to have to look for more short dump-offs, quick hitters. That usually goes to Emmanuel Sanders over Cortland Sutton in this game. So if I were the bet, I would say Sanders probably has a little bit more value in this particular matchup. And then when you look at Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, you can't love it because no one's been able to run on Tennessee Titans very effectively so far this season. And Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman have been already kind of hit or miss as it is. They've needed plus matchups because they're 50 50 pretty much across the board and they're taking away from each other even when the matchup is good. And that's what they've needed to be able to both be able to perform for Philip Lindsay to be able to perform the way that he has. He has been better as far as fantasy purposes go, as to be expected. But with, with that situation right now, and that's the plus matchup because they're going to not only have a tough matchup in this one, but also cut each other off for their ceilings because of the 50-50 split right now. I don't know how you play Phillip Lindsey or Royce Freeman with any confidence right now. You may not have a better option than Phillip Lindsay. You may have to at least play him in your flex, and I can understand that because he is a just a better player. But I would look for other opportunities if there is one to be had in your lineups this week. And I wouldn't play Cortland Sutton. I would maybe think about playing Emmanuel Sanders in a PPR league. That'd be about about it. Otherwise, I would probably want to try to stay away from this game, if at all possible. We're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We still have more games to preview for Week 6. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's unwrapsports.com. Rolling along here, our next game we have, the preview, is going to be, frankly, a short analysis on this one because we got the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Jets. Not going to be a whole hell of a lot to take out of this game, quite frankly, especially on the Jets' side of the football. Yes, you play Le'Veon Bell. He, especially in PPR leagues, has actually been still an RB2. Now, not so much in standard leagues or half-point PPR leagues because of obvious reasons because he hasn't been that effective, hasn't been that efficient, and the offense around him has been terrible, and there's only so much he's able to do. But for PPR leagues, he's getting like, what, 10 catches a game right now? The volume has been insane. Now, I do get Sam Darnold back in this game. And I can only imagine, unless Adam Gase wants to take the cake for the dumbest coach to ever live, I have to imagine he's going to give Sam Darnold all the first-team reps and his starting quarterback will actually be the quarterback who practices this week. i would be really, really funny if he actually just practiced uh, Luke Falk instead and then started Sam Darnold. That would be Hysterical. Not the case. Don't worry. Sam Darnold is expected to play in this one coming back. That does help amplify Le'Veon Bell. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.
2: It amplifies Jamison Crowder because... You know, Sam Darnold likes to do the check down. He likes to throw the ball to the slot receiver. Adam Gase likes to call offenses for the slot receiver. So all of those things bode well for James Crowder. I don't love the matchup here against the Dallas Cowboys, but if you're looking for a guy who may have a solid floor due to volume, Crowder could be that guy in this matchup. Now, notice that I left Robbie Anderson off of that list for good purposes. One, we know, like I said, Sam Darnold likes to check the ball down. That's That's number one. Uh Robbie Anderson has not really been that much part of the game plan in Adam Gase's playbook. He still has him for all this talk in the offseason of moving him around and getting him involved. He's done the same thing with Robbie Anderson that's been done to him for the past few seasons, which is a lineup on the outside. And other than the occasional end around wide receiver screen, he's run deep. Plain and simple. That's all they're having them do. And this match against the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think they're going to have all the time in the world. I know the Cowboys had a disappointing game against the Green Bay Packers last week. And that's what people are going to look to and remember Aaron Jones going crazy. That was not Dallas defense football. Dallas' defense is much better than what we saw a week ago. More like how he's have seen the first few weeks leading up into this point, I don't think the Jets are going to have a ton of success. I think their defense is going to be able to tee off on them, and I don't think they're going to have all the time in the world, which also doesn't help Robbie Anderson. The other thing going in James De Crowder's favor right now is that even though Chris Herndon's come back from suspension, he's now going to be out for at least probably a couple of weeks. Maybe even more because he has a grade one hamstring pull. So... We're going to have to wait to see exactly when he's going to be able to make his return. Obviously, I don't love Chris Herndon for fantasy purposes. If you've been listening to the show at all, I've been harping on the fact that you sh- if you're part of MD Nation, don't bother picking up a guy like Chris Herndon in an offense that doesn't amplify the tight end in any situation and is not a good offense. Hope someone else make that mistake. But where he is important at is the ppr floor that is jameson crowder that volume can be taken away a little bit if chris herndon's on the field so that's not the case as of yet which allows him to have that flex floor i'm not going to start him if it's half point or standard but if it's full point ppr he has a flex floor that's all you really need to know for the jets on the dallas side of the ball play everybody Ezekiel elliott course, Mari Cooper, of course, Michael Gallup. You have to play him as a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two right now because whenever he's been on the field, they've gotten him heavily involved in the game plan so far. And you continue to play Dak Prescott as a QB one. I know NFL-wise, he wasn't that great last week, but for fantasy purposes, he was just fine. Uh, He he can't bar himself back into the top ten. And against the Jets, they're not going to have to be that aggressive. I don't expect them to be trailing at any point in this game. But I do think they're going to be effective. And they haven't thrown the ball more and more. They actually should get back to running the football a little bit more. Maybe they will in this one, given the matchup. But Dak Prescott does have a healthy floor in this game, at the very least. Especially with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper healthy and ready to go in the lineup. It really makes this offense have a whole other dimension to it. Especially in the passing attack. So I think you can play all of your Dallas Cowboy guys that you would normally play with confidence in this game against the New York Jets. It's not a great matchup. The Jets' defense hasn't been terrible. But they're just in a situation where they're on the field all the time and the Cowboys will get their opportunities. Next up, we have the Sunday night game. And I bet you the people over at NBC really wish that they could flex out this game given all the injuries and all the circumstances because you had the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers and it's it's not looking pretty right now for either team quite frankly now on the pittsburgh steelers side of the ball mason rudolph from everything I have heard thus far, is that he is on his way to making a miraculous comeback after that crazy hit that he took a week ago, and may even have a possibility of being able to clear concussion protocol and playing this game on Sunday. Now we still don't know yet, and as of recording this podcast early Friday morning, I do not have the information for you as far as that he was he able to practice today, because that today is going to be the big. Uh, the big mark as to whether or not he's going to be able to come back on Sunday. If he doesn't practice today, he has no chance to clear concussion protocol. Now, why is that important? Because you're not going to be, obviously, you're not going to be playing uh, Mason Rudolph. So why is it important? It helps guys like Juju Smith Schuster. You want to be able to play Smith Schuster in this game. Casey Hayward has not been the same guy so far this season and even when he has been decent, he doesn't follow guys into the slot. So Smith Schuster right now, he needs Mason Rudolph in order to keep some kind of at least flex appeal against the Chargers. And you can play him you can play him as a low end wide receiver too. Finally got going a little bit again last week. It was nice to see a little blast in the past Mason Rudolph really has to play. Mason Rudolph doesn't play. You may be stuck in a situation where you don't have anybody better than Smith-Schuster, but I'm not going to feel any confidence in playing Smith-Schuster whatsoever with the third-string quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you're hoping Mason Rudolph plays, and that's what you would be looking at if he does. James Conner, it doesn't matter as far as quarterback situation for James Conner. The Pittsburgh Steelers are having to lean on the run in order to keep that team going. We may see Benny Snell get a little bit of uh, action in this one, may have a bit of a role, but Benny Snell is just not that good. Sorry, he's not that explosive. He doesn't do any any one thing particularly great. He can do a little bit of everything, but nothing really all that good. So I think James Conner is going to get a crazy amount of touches, possibly over the next month, because that's how long Jalen Samuels might be out for coming off of his, uh, his surgery. So that's what you're kind of looking at here. James Conner is going to be the guy who, at least volume-wise, is going to be high in RB2 and be put in a situation to get back into the RB1 conversation, I believe, and has been playing much better over the past couple of games. And that that's not going to matter who the quarterback is. Vance McDonald, we're waiting to see is he going to be able to play again this week. He was able last week, but he hasn't been able to practice Wednesday or Thursday leading up until this point. So again, we'll see if he's able to go today. I'm only thinking about him as a tight end to my, who might be a streaming option if Mason Rudolph plays. So again, it comes back to Mason Rudolph. If he doesn't play, then Vance McDonald's not even on my radar for this week. If he does play, then he is somebody who has an opportunity to catch a touchdown. He'll be on my radar as a streaming option if I'm looking for just whatever I have available to me at the tight end position. Because it can be absolutely brutal if you don't have one of the top guys right now. That That much is certain. On the Chargers side of the ball, you're going to have to play everybody. Melvin Gordon is expected to have a bigger workload this week than he did last week. And we kind of knew that was going to be the case. We knew he wasn't going to just run away with the job his first week back as far as the touches go. But instead of it being a roughly 50-50 split as far as touches between him and Austin Eckler... I would look to see this be more of a 60-40 split. And then from here on out is where we're going to see, does it a 60-40 split or is it a 65-35 split between him and Austin Eckler moving forward? Obviously, if you're a Melvin Gordon owner, you're going to hope for that 65-35 split, which is about what it was a season ago. But there's no guarantees this is going to be a matchup here it's not a great match against Pittsburgh Steelers the defense have been playing pretty well as of late they've been a bit healthier the Chargers are going to be without Marquise Pouncy on their offensive line so they're going to be a little bit banged up there so really you're looking at Gordon Eckler to make more of their efficient damage at the very least in the passing game and that might favor Austin Eckler now here's the thing about Eckler you can still play him as a flex, and you're going to be able to play him as a flex in PPR leagues most of the season. But if you're expecting to see what you had last week where it's like, oh, it's cool. Melvin Gordon came in. I still got a ton of touches out of Austin Eckler. Yeah, he's not getting 15 catches again this week. I'm going to tell you that right now. So you can still play him as a flex, but he's a low... He's, he's not a low floor, but he's he's a high floor flex with a low ceiling. So just keep that in mind. And I'm only playing him half point and full point PPR. I play Austin Eckler. This is a game... Especially if the Steelers are down to the third string quarterback, the Chargers should be able to control. I don't think they'll blow him out because I think the Steelers will still find a way to be competitive in this game. See more Melvin Gordon throughout this game and try to get him going, uh, moving forward. And you're in deep situation here, where this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. They get Melvin Gordon back. They gotta find. They gotta start finding ways to bring their best players at all times. So we'll see exactly how that goes. Keenan Allen, you could play Keenan Allen. Yeah, it was this point last week. Don't care. You play Keenan Allen. I don't think there's an argument there. Mike Williams, I think, offers you solid wide receiver three. touchdown yet this season because the way he's targeted in the red zone, because of the type of wide receiver, he's going to offer you touchdown upside. And I do think that he's just a wide receiver three, and the only way he can be wide receiver three is if he finds the end zone. I said a couple of weeks ago, I think he's somebody who's becoming more of a dependent type of wide receiver. I haven't backed off of that too much. He has gotten more of a target share over the most part, but even in a in a game in which he had the most targets and when he had 13 targets, he still only had five catches or 75 yards. Phillip Rivers does not hit him the same way he hits Keenan Allen. He doesn't hit him in stride, ball and run after the catch, as well as some of the other guys like Allen and Austin Eckler. He throws jump balls to him, so brought down right away. This is a situation C-D's gets put in, which is why I say he's more of a touchdown dependent type of wide receiver. Not the case yet. He's going to be due eventually, but I don't think he's a must-start this week. He is somebody who you can play and know you have a serviceable player in your lineups if need be, be given some of the play. That's pretty much it for no no one else you're really talking about for the Los Angeles Chargers. Right now, Philip Rivers, I think, is a QB2, you know, mid-tier QB2 at best in this game. We're going to talk about him a little bit when we get to the mailbag segment, too. Monday night game, this is an interesting game to me because is Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers. So automatically, historically, that's a matchup that could go one way or another. It could be low-scoring, ugly defensive affair, or both teams could decide to put up 50 on each other. I mean, it's, it's really hit or miss, especially when you're talking about fantasy purposes. Now, the one thing that is probably the most important thing that we have to talk about in this game is that Devontae Adams is, is expected to miss this week. He might be able to come back in Week 7. That's that's the hope right now, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to make his way back this week, barring him suddenly feeling better over the next couple of days. Because It is Monday, so he does have two more days to try to get better here, Saturday and Sunday, but unless he miraculously starts to feel a lot better over the next couple of days, the expectation is he's not going to be able to play. So where does that put everybody else? Put Rodgers in a tough situation. You're going to have Darius Slay, most likely, I would imagine, on Geronimo Allison, as they'll look to lean on him to be their chain mover, more so as the pass catcher. And then you have Scantling, who won't have a Darius Slay that he has to contend with, but a Detroit defense that has been playing pretty well as of late. And Scantling, who, if he doesn't get the deep ball, really hasn't been much of a fantasy factor or an NFL factor. So, where does that leave Aaron Rodgers? It leaves him with a low floor. It does. He could have a great ceiling because he has a history of letting up Detroit Lions no matter what he has on the field. But right now, if he does not have Devontae Adams, he doesn't have a go-to target. He doesn't have a guy that he can lean on to make a play, to put the ball up in the air and take a chance. He has to be so precise and so careful with the football because of the lack of talent that he has around him at the moment. That I don't know how you can play Aaron Rodgers with any confidence. He's only been fantasy relevant and and has only well, I should say only has only been a QB1 for one week so far this season. So he just he has a low floor heading into this matchup with no Devontae Adams. I don't know if there's a week that you can play Aaron Rodgers if he does not have Devontae Adams. I don't know that you can. So keeping that in mind, even in a matchup against the Detroit Lions, even though it's at home, even though Rodgers might play well from an NFL standpoint. I don't think the fantasy production is going to be there you can trust. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams is coming back. So now all of a sudden Aaron Jones is going to take a major hit. Now I'll scream it to the rooftops, but it doesn't seem to matter whether it's Mike McCarthy or Matt LaFleur, for whatever reason, they seem to think that Aaron Jones shouldn't be getting all the touches. Even though when he gets put in situations like when Jamal Williams is not available to play in the game and gets a chance to actually get all the touches, whether it's running the ball, receiving the football, he was the number one playmaker for the Packers a week ago against the Dallas Cowboys. He proved what he could do on damn near 30 touches in that game. Four total touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, 100 rushing yards, seven catches for 75 yards, the leading targeted pass catcher for the Packers. And in a game in which you're not going to have Devontae Adams, you have to have whatever dynamic talent you have on your team out there constantly. And yet, everything I've been hearing is that with Jamal Williams coming back this week, Aaron Jones is not expected to get all the touches. I don't get it. I was certain that was why McCarthy was fired in the first place. Maybe it wasn't because apparently they're not giving Matt Lafleur any crap for it. Now Matt Lafleur has the, you know, the good graces that he has actually been winning games so far. They're four and one, so that goes a long way in being able to help with that. But if you're an Aaron Jones owner, you got to be sitting there like, what does this guy have to do to just be the starter, be the workhorse, and Jamal Williams be nothing more than a guy who spells him every so often to get a breather. I, I, what does he have to do at this point? I don't know. That was a tough team against Dallas that he produced a hell of a lot on, and this isn't a great Green Bay Packer offensive line. So I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know what he has to do to just be on the field. I don't know. But if you're an Aaron Jones owner, he goes back to being a low RB too, because if Jamal Williams is going to get the touches that he was starting to get up until he got hurt, there's not much of a ceiling there, because there's not going to be nearly enough opportunity. And if this winds up being a fifty-fifty split. Look out. It might get ugly. And the Detroit Lions have been a pretty good run defense, and Snack Harrison is supposed to be back in this game too. So he's not going to see a lot of success, even with a good healthy amount of touches on the ground in this one. Something just to keep in mind there. Jimmy Graham, he's done. He's He, he might get a couple touchdowns here and there because he's still big. He can still box out. He can be a guy in the red zone that Rodgers can throw the ball up to, especially when he doesn't have Devontae Adams. But He's got nothing left in between 20s. He's got nothing left to get open. He's done. Period. So I wouldn't mind who might at least have a chance to get into the end zone. On the Detroit Lions side of the ball, Johnson Johnson's the guy to watch. Is he going to be the workhorse still like he was for the past couple of weeks before they're bye? Did he work himself back into the good graces of the coaching staff after fumbling twice against the Kansas City Chiefs? These are all questions that are going to need to be answered. This is a plus matchup against Green Bay Packers. So if you're a carry-on Johnson owner, you want nothing more than a hope that he was able to work himself back into good graces and he's going to be put in a situation to get 20-plus carries again and be targeted four to five times at least in the receiving game. This is a great matchup for carry-on Johnson. So, But that's going to be the question. If he didn't, if they're going to be playing Ty Johnson a little bit more now because of the fumbling issues that Kerryon Johnson Johnson's had, then we're going to run into a situation where Carryon might go from being a solid RB2 to being an RB3 himself. So we have a, there's going to be a lot to watch here with on Johnson. If you have him for now, you're playing him as a high-end RB2 because of the matchup. And because thus far, as of now, going into this game, the data suggests that he should be the workhorse back. And that's that's all we have to go off of right now. Matthew Stafford, I do think he's a streaming option. I don't think he's going to quite be a QB one this week, but I do think he's going to be in a position to be a high end QB two, and you can stream him if you don't really have better options in this one. Uh, we saw what the Cowboys were able to do fantasy wise against the Packers last week. Now, granted, that was they were down, they had to throw the ball ton, uh, but I. I don't think the Green Bay secondary, while it's much improved, I'm not arguing that from it was a season ago, I don't think it's as good as people are hyping up to be. I don't think they're an elite secondary, which is what people are trying to make them out to be right now. You saw Amari Cooper go off for 200 yards. You saw Michael Gallup on the other side go off for 100 yards. And the Lions have... Similar talented wide receivers, not quite as good, but similar talented wide receivers to those two with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Not to mention T.J. Hawkinson, who should be back for this week. He should be clearing concussion protocol. So they have similar type of weapons that they can utilize. They can go down the field against the Green Bay Packers. I don't think J.R. Alexander, I think he's almost a superstar. I don't think he's quite taken that leap yet. And you see it sometimes when he plays elite talent at the other side of the ball, that he doesn't always shut them down the way you expect him to. So I think Kenny Gallaudet, you can play him as a high-end wide receiver too without trepidation. I think Marvin Jones, who has a history of lighting up the Green Bay Packers, is somebody you can play as a flex play this week, who has some upside. So those two are going to still have decent games and you still feel confident in doing so, which I do. Matthew Stafford still has to at least be considered a streaming quarterback. Now, I don't think he has the highest of ceilings. I don't think this is a game in which Stafford can come in and give you 30 I don't think it's definitely not a game that he can't give you 30, but I don't, I don't think that's what you're shooting for. I think you're shooting for a game that he gives you 18 points. And I do think that's a very real possibility at the very least in this matchup. I don't think the Packers secondary is something that I'm scared off of that much for. And being that they're on the road, the Detroit Lions typically will throw the football a bit more when they're on the road than they are at home. So something to keep in mind there too. Like I just went through it. You're starting Kenny Galladay. You're starting Marvin Jones. I like all those guys. TJ Hawkinson is somebody who is a tight end too? if you're again kind of like Jimmy Graham much better than Jimmy Graham right now at this point in his career obviously but it's kind of like Jimmy Graham's situation where fantasy purposes where you're playing him if you need a touchdown out of a tight end I wouldn't look for him to get too involved it just hasn't been consistent yet but as I've made this point time and time again TJ Hawkinson should have a lot more touchdowns under his belt that have been called back due to penalties or uh just Aaron throws by Stafford in the end zone a little too high uh, he should have a much better season especially for fantasy purposes so far this year so I wouldn't put it past him that this is a week especially it's a banged up Green Bay linebacking core that TJ Hawkinson could find his way into the end zone in this one again he's nothing more than a streaming tight end too but I do think he's a guy that you could put in there and hope for a touchdown out of and realistically may get one That wraps up our Week 6 preview for all of the games. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, wrap up the episode with a mailbag segment from the fans. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Time for my favorite portion of the episode because I always love getting to the questions Posed to me by the MD Nation because I always love your guys' participation and your give back to the show, and it's it really wouldn't be the same without you guys from MD Nation. So this is where I really love to be able to give back to you guys directly and answer some of your questions and really help you personally with your matchups. I remember even if your question isn't shouted out on the show and we don't talk about it here. You can always contact me through any of the social medias on Facebook, Twitter, or through direct email on the website, and I will get back to every single one of your questions. And, of course, a few of you will get selected, and we will talk about it here and get shouted out on the show. It's very cool stuff, very cool stuff. But the first one that we have to talk about today, the first question comes from Coulter from Twitter. He asked, do I drop Marquise Brown for Mohamed Sanu this week to play in the Flex? doesn't dictate whether it's a half-point PPR or a full-pointer standard or anything like that, but it wouldn't matter in this scenario. The answer to that is no. I know we've talked about Marquise Brown, that he has not... Now practice for three days in a row is not looking great for his opportunity to be able to play on Sunday, and it's really disappointing because it was going up against Cincinnati Bengals. Brown, while he's had the volume, hasn't quite had the numbers for the first few weeks, and you were kind of hoping going up against the Bengals that maybe it would be a game that you would get to see him get back to getting that production that you were hoping he was going to get in the first place. I know it's disappointing, but I'm not dropping for Mohamed Sanu, even though going up against the Arizona Cardinals in this week, the matchup. Um, if you want to pick up Sanu and play him the flex, I have no issue with that, but there's no reason why Marquise Brown needs to be the guy that you drop. He's still the number one wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. This has still been a pretty good team so far, and he's proven to be a talent with upside potential in any given matchup, and the volume has been there, which means he's going to put up those games at some point. It just may not be this week because he may not be able to get to play. But he's not a guy who I'm moving on from. Uh, and especially not moving on from for a a middling floor, low ceiling player like Mohamed Sanu is on a week to week basis. So I, I would not do that, Coulter. Uh, next up, we got Jimmy from Facebook asks, who's a better stash, Edmonds or Malcolm Brown? He also put in parentheses that he does not own David Johnson or Todd Gurley, which is why I put this question on here because I thought this was a very interesting question, especially for this week, because we're facing with a scenario right now that David Johnson and Todd Gurley both might be game time decisions on Sunday. So which one's more valuable? All right, this question is kind of twofold in a sense, where they have pros and cons on both, obviously. So who's more valuable? Maybe Chase Edmonds. And just because if you look at it in a vacuum, let's say both David Johnson and Todd Gurley don't play this week. So let's start it off from there, because this is going to be a multi-layered question. This is why I like this one so much. So let's say they don't, both don't play. Let's say Chase Edmonds and Malcolm Brown are both the starting running backs for their teams this week. Chase Edmonds is in a situation where he's not going to give up passing down work to anybody. He is 100% going to get almost probably 100% of the volume, probably a 95% With maybe somebody else giving him a breather here and there. But Chase Evans is going to get everything. And it's a plus matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, on the flip side, Malcolm Brown is on a much better offensive team. Todd Gurley's situation can be considered more chronic. So he might be a better stash as far as it might not be just this week that Malcolm Brown has starting value. But it could be other weeks Given what Todd Gurley is going through this season right now. Now, luckily the thigh contusion has nothing to do with the knee, but that's still been a factor so far this season for Todd Gurley. So he may have more value in the long term because of that, and may have you know startable RB2 value this week too. Even if he does give up some touches with Daryl Henderson, and we talked about that game in this episode. I still don't think it's going to be a crazy amount, and he's performed really well when he has gotten opportunities, so I do think that would continue, and he would be the main rusher, and he would be the main value, and in a very good Rams team in general, he's going to be in games where they're going to be in it in almost every single week. And he's going to have opportunities to score goal line touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty much what's kept Todd Gurley's fantasy value afloat so far this season has been the fact that when they've got to the red zone, he's been able to convert in the red zone. And they've got they've gotten him opportunities for that. It should be the same with Malcolm Brown. Arizona hasn't been very good in the red zone. Uh, David Johnson's been able to score his fair share, whether it be catching a touchdown or rushing in a touchdown. But the team in general hasn't been that efficient in the red zone and has had left a lot of opportunities on the table. So I trust Malcolm Brown to get his opportunity every single game where it might not happen to be the case Chase Edmonds. And Edmonds might be just a one week. If David Johnson doesn't play this week, he is going to be expected to come back next week. So it depends on how you're looking at this. I think Edmonds is better for this week if... David Johnson and Todd Gurley weren't to play, you know, making all things equal. I think he would be better for this week, but I think Malcolm Brown's the guy you want for the long term. Now, let's consider it this way, who's more likely to play between Todd Gurley and David Johnson? I think there's it's more likely that David Johnson's going to play this week than Todd Gurley. I still think there's a decent chance both of them play, to be clear. But if I'm going to pick one between the other, I'm more confident David Johnson suits up than I am Todd Gurley. So, With that being said, the one thing that I think Edmonds has over you, I think has less of a chance to actually happen. So I would say Malcolm Brown here at the end of the day because of all, and you're going to have to follow me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow for updates throughout the weekend, very easily changed. If we get word for sure that David Johnson's going to be out and you just, and you're just looking for a play for this week, then I would go for Chase Edmonds. So that, that's why that question was multi-layered, And that's why I liked it so much and put it on the show. Aaron Rodgers or Philip Rivers? And can I just say brutal? Brutal. there got to be other streaming quarterback options available to you. I would even go as far as to say that you might want to play Garter Minshew over both of these guys this week. Now, let's assume you don't have any option as a case. And that's why you're asking between Aaron Rodgers and Philip Rivers. Or you don't want to pick anybody else up. Whatever. Between these, we've talked about both of these games, but with the Monday night game, I like I said, I don't know that you can start Aaron Rodgers in any game that he does not have Devontae Adams. I don't know. I mean, Maybe if they were playing the Miami Dolphins, yeah, you could play Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you can play Rodgers if he doesn't have Devontae Adams to go to. With Phillip Rivers, he at least outside of Hunter to go to. So I think Phillip Rivers is actually going to be the guy that I go with this week in this situation. Feel prepared and entertained for your Sunday matchups and Monday matchups for week six. Uh, follow me along at to to make sure you have all the information that you need to make the best decisions possible heading into your matchups this week. Uh, of course, I'll be, and I think I'm going to do another video again either Saturday night or for one. I, I will do that video this week too. So make sure you keep your eyes out for that because I'll give you all the updates exactly who's injured, what their status is, and who you still have to keep an eye on heading into the Sunday matchups and and over the weekend, make sure you're checking out uh, any one of my networks. Make sure you're checking out Belly Up Sports, where I'm with running the MD's fantasy football show and you can ask your questions there if you have Sunday morning from nine o'clock on until kickoff at one o'clock I will be on there or any general fantasy questions that you may have so you can go to belly up Fan- at belly up fantasy on Twitter on there nine o'clock and in- starting nine o'clock in the morning to be able to answer your questions it was about a half hour before the one thing game I would say <laughs> usually we stick to nine o'clock um, so I'll be on there doing that. Make sure you're checking out my other networks on or App Sports Network who I do the sportscaster with and of course Overtime Heroics Network has one of the best forums out there to go check out and be able to get your fandom on there too. Make sure you're listening to this podcast or any of my other podcasts on your favorite podcast app, Radio Public, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you go to listen to podcasts, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. Don't be afraid to contact me, and I'm going to see you guys next week. Once again, I'm away a little bit this weekend, so I'm not going to be able to be there Sunday night. So we will have the same schedule that we had last week, which is we're going to have a full recap show on Tuesday with the waiver wire report instead of two different recap shows. But then, of course, we'll have our preview episodes on Thursday and Friday like we normally do. So that's what we have to look forward to there. I hope you guys all have a lovely day. I'll have a lovely weekend and I will see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the MD's fantasy football show.